0: You are listening to From Sobrity to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 102. Let's get to the show. Welcome back, my friends. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery, and I am coming to you the week of the Super Bowl. There are a lot of very emotional things happening this week and this is going to be one of those rare shows where I didn't do any research. This is going to be one of those from the heart because this is going to be more of a in memoriam of a friend who passed away this uh, last week or so ago and he meant a lot and I think this is an opportunity because the Super Bowl is coming up and the connection he has with that that it's um We're going to give the entire show to Mr. Ron Sunshine Davis, because if there is one thing that I will always remember him for, it is for his just blindingly, amazingly loving support of me as a human being and his encouragement from before I was even sober curious all the way till... Until the last time I ever saw him, that man loved me to death. He was just the most amazing friend, and he was extremely supportive of my sobriety and recovery, and he himself was either nearing 30 years or just past it, and you know, he had these grand ambitions of going and speaking at the AA National Conference. I think it was supposed to be in Detroit at some point, because he kept talking about Detroit and speaking at AA on the grand stage just the most hilarious dude ever. And he passed away. I'm still very confused about what happened from, from what I've been able to stitch together. Um, it was COVID Corona related, even though people had said that they'd seen him a few days before, um, he's, he, you know, passed and he didn't seem like he was suffering any ill effects. And, you know, he was a cancer survivor and just a Just he was, as he used to like to put it, he's like, Jesse, I am a black gay man survivor of the 60s (laughs) (laughs) because he was 65. So he's like, I was, I was a kid back when that stuff was happening. He's like, I have survived everything. Yeah, He's like, I have survived the integration of schools. And so he was an amazing human being. And I don't really know if any of this is going to sound even somewhat coherent because I think it's, I compartmentalize death very well. After my mom passed away on Valentine's Day of 2007, I really believe that I just shed my final tears. And um I really haven't cried since then. A Couple near near hits on that crying thing. Cried cried like four times since then but they were all drunk. Since I've been sober, I you know had a couple a couple were like the tears welled up. I thought oh my god, it's going to happen. Uh, there's a block there, you know, and I've had a lot of death. I I've I've had to lay my high school sweetheart to rest, my first best friend in college to rest, how I lost my stepdad, my grandma, my Aunt Rosalie, all in eight days one time. Of course, I just said my mom, Aunt Carol. Um, the list goes on for the people you know uh, that I've lost. And I think with Ron, I think, you know, I look back. I mean, the man, you know, 30-some years sober, just he was in the hospitality industry his whole life. He traveled the world. He worked in Chicago and Miami and Atlanta and Los Angeles and Chicago. I had stories from all of it, especially back when he used to use. And once he got sober, he decided he wanted to become like this world traveler and really experience life to its fullest. And every year we worked at the Roosevelt together was, you know, in the he'd take a, a trip in the the fall, and he would take a trip in the spring, and he'd save up for those four to six months. And I mean, he'd go to like six different countries taking the Euro Trail, or he'd go to Colombia and Costa Rica and, and San Salvador and you know, and Mexico City. He ultimately retired and moved to Mexico City, and uh, I mean, just international through and through. It just he wanted to enjoy the shit out of his life. And, uh, I wrote a quick list of like some of the lessons that I learned from him and I'll, I'll, I'll go through some of those. I just literally right before I hit record said, let's, let's see what I can remember from him. And, you know, I still haven't written anything on his Facebook wall and I'm, I'm planning on uh, putting together some memorial service for his LA friends, especially the ones from the Roosevelt who still think about him. And I know he, he made an impact on everyone's life. He, um. This has been a tough year for people. It's I think it's been a, it's been a tough year for the world. Regardless of what side of the politics you fall on, pro mask, anti mask, covid numbers real, covid numbers fudged, shutting everything down for political reasons or shutting everything down for health reasons, you know, regardless of that, if we could just put all that aside for a brief moment, people have died. A lot of people have died. And regardless if all of them can be absolutely credited to COVID or not, we're looking at millions of people that have died. And I am not a fool. I realize that every year millions of people die. This is the first time in the modern era where we could say that every single country in this planet has suffered together because of one common bacterial enemy, for a lack of a better way of, of calling the coronavirus anything other than it's a virus, right? It's this, this, this microscopic organism is going around and just devastating the world. And we've just lost millions of people. And I haven't really had to say goodbye to anyone within my... My I I sort of numbered my circles. There's the first, second, third, fourth circle. Like my first circle would be the people that I regularly communicate with, and he was one of them. And so he's the first person in my first circle that's died. And I'm no doubt that this is this podcast is falling upon ears who have lost as well. And the change that this planet has gone through in the last year. Hell, the ch- the changes planet's gone th- in just the last you know decade. You know, twenty ten to twenty twenty was phenomenal. Hell, two thousands were crazy. It's like as soon as the nine eleven happened, it's like the whole world was put on alert. That's like, wow, if the if this mega superpowered gigantic beast can be can be hit, who can't be? And then the 2010 to 2020s just saw this proliferation of social media and the smartphone in this just constantly connected world. Remember, two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, I mean we were all still using flip phones and having to hit the five button three times in order to get like an O or some shit. It wasn't like we were just, we were not connected. We were still using pagers back in like early two thousands, like we were all doctors. In the 2020s, it started off crazy, and there's been a lot of tumultuous times. And the Ron dying, and the confusion I feel about that, and the disheartenedness. Just I feel so like, how the hell, how the hell did that guy die? Survived cancer, mugged multiple times in Los Angeles. Got mugged one time at the subway station, and came it was like came back to work and was like laughing about it I was like oh yeah I, was just, I, had a, I had a headbutt the guy and he had, he had like a bloody face and his elbow was all messed up and the guy took his phone and ultimately he ended up getting his phone back and it, like m- weeks later and the guy ended up going to jail and like the whole thing and like ron's just laughing about it and it's like not that i would or wouldn't have been This this isn't like a comparison contrast situation i just want to talk about ron and just he just had this way of just letting things wash off of his back like you yeah, know, that's just the way that it is. It's one of the things I put in here is fuck it, man. It's just life. And it really was, he just, whatever it was, you know, that's in here. Another one I put in here is things I learned from him. It's okay to have bad days. There was some days where he was legitimately was not in a good mood, where it was legitimately just not a good day. You just wake up and you just don't know why your energy's just off you got to come to work anyways. And all you want to do is just get off work, go home, make yourself a sandwich, sit on the couch with your dog and watch TV. And it's okay to have bad days. Because of what I do with the live coaching and the NLP work that I've undergone over the last four years, there's times where, you know, I will just forge ahead even when I'm not feeling it that day. I chalk it up to fortitude and discipline and you know, last resort, I'll chalk it up to willpower. But it there can just be days where you just don't feel right. And you just ask the world, like, okay, if I gotta go to work, I gotta go to work. If I gotta pay the bill, I gotta pay the bill. I'm gonna get all the I'm gonna get all my responsibilities done, and I'm gonna turn off my damn phone, and I just want to unplug from the world. And that's okay. One of another thing that he taught me was uh, do what you want to do to create the life that you want for yourself. He'd always say, man, I'm just doing what I want to do. So I just, I, I got sober and I just made a decision for what I was going to do with my life. And I don't give a damn if people are judging me. Now, he ultimately, deep down inside, would tell me that he did care about the judgment. And I do feel bad that some of the people at the Roosevelt would, you know, we move out here with this, we were big fish in small ponds and we show up out here and all of a sudden we're plankton in a sea of, in a sea full of whale sharks but people would come out here like oh i've come out here to do an actress i've come out here to be a screenplay writer i'm gonna be famous oh, what are you you're just a waiter oh my god you're a 60 year old waiter at the roosevelt why are you even bothering meanwhile you know, we've all got our nose down on the grindstone, you know, just where are we gonna get our next headshot? When are we gonna get our next you know, uh, audition, when are we gonna get our next anyone, anyone even notice that I'm in this city trying to trying to succeed? Meanwhile he's over here just tortoising it away, stashing away money, every single paycheck. Four to six months later, dude's on a world wind world wind trip. Oh I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Istanbul, I'm gonna to go to Turkey this time, I'm gonna go over here and do some Greece stuff, I'm gonna to go to Italy for three weeks. Oh I was in Italy for three weeks and it bored me, so I decided I was gonna to go to Estonia. Whatever he wanted to do, he just did it. I have no doubt that Ron did not want to die, but there is not a, a bone in me that thinks that he died with regrets. That man lived it up. He traveled the world and he did exactly what he wanted to do to create the life that he wanted for himself. I have on here, be a lovingly smartass. then that guy could say some of the most whack stuff with a smile and a laugh on his face. And we would just start crack up. cuz would be like, that seriously just come out of your mouth? He is a smartass. But he but he did it with love. It, you know, I mean, of course, being Mr. Anopee Life Coach, I, you know, saw it in a way as being some level of a defense mechanism towards, you know, different kind of insecurities he may or may not have had on himself that were his or projected upon him. But ultimately, I mean, he did just, he, he did work his tail off to live life with like a free, freeness and an air quality to him where he just, he he wanted to just enjoy, and he couldn't for the life of himself understand why other people didn't put more effort into just enjoying their life. He would tell me all the time, "Dude, you work a lot." He's like, "You work all the time," and I do. I get enjoyment out of it. You know, again, I don't want to die young, but you know, if I'm sitting here editing editing a video or I have a heart attack during a part, podcast, I mean, I'm going out doing the stuff that I love to do. You know, I love my creative expression. I love knowledge and learning things and then applying it, then going out and sharing what I've learned with other people. You know, those are two of my highest values, knowledge and application and creative expression. You know, for him, it was just friendship and, 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 and traveling and exploring. That leads to another thing that I always thought was pretty special about him, make friends with everyone. That guy could seriously make friends with a lamppost. Even the most pissy guests that we would have at that restaurant would sit there and nod their head. They may not be enjoying it, enjoying it, but they would—they wouldn't just shun him. Other people at that job, they'd go up to the grumpy people, and the grumpy people would be like leave me alone, and they would just get shut down. Not Ron. You just—there is something about him. I don't know how he got the nickname Sunshine, because he was not always sunshine. <laughs> But he was he he maybe it's because his smile went from ear to ear and you just couldn't help yourself but want to love the guy. But I'll never forget when he introduced himself to me. He's like, uh, you know, he's like, I'm I'm Ron. Everyone here calls me. Everyone calls me Sunshine. I talk a lot of shit and I'm definitely gonna talk behind your back. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, you know, in the, I'm standing there in the kitchen like, you know, cutting toast or something. And I just look over him with the straightest face and I just go. I am not calling a grown man Sunshine. I just looked back down at the toast and put it away. And he cracked up. And that was the beginning of, of, of an amazing friendship. I started working so, just breakfast about two weeks later. And uh, three to five days out of the week, we would work together. And he'd work the tables and I'd work the booths. And that's just the way it was for five years. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. My name's Ron. Everybody calls me Sunshine. I talk a lot of shit. I'm definitely gonna talk behind your back. <laughs> just and I just looked at it. I'm like, I will not call a grown man sunshine. <laughs> and you know that was his. You know, well, some people will be like, well, that's that's a whack way to introduce yourself to somebody. But that was just his sense of humor. And you know, no judgment, no judgment. Just seek to understand him. Seek to be his friend. Uh, make friends with everyone is something he taught me. Stay in contact with them. Man, that man! I got—I have no no idea how he stayed in contact with so many people, but he had friends in twenty-seven different countries. He's always, "Oh, I talked to my friend in Germany the other day. Oh, I talked to my friend in Sweden the other day." I'm like, "You know, I've gone, I've I've traveled the world. I've been to seventeen different countries. I do not have friends in every country I've visited, but this guy does." Um, let's see what else is on my list. Don't hold grudges. He and I would get into some of the most ridiculous fights. You know, we worked at a restaurant. It was super busy and chaotic. And if you've never waited tables, then, you know, how can I equate this for you? Just imagine it's like 30 different people barking orders at you at the same time, all wanting what they want, thinking they're the most important person in the world, that their ranch or their ketchup or their 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 fresh Coca-Cola or glass of coffee is nothing is more important than that. The world will come to an end. If they don't get two more inches of coffee, oh, and you didn't bring creamer, but you when you finally prioritized the creamer and got it out there, they used all of about what would be considered maybe three grams of creamer <laughs> it's, They couldn't drink their coffee till they got their creamer, but by God, when they finally got it, three grams was all it needed. It was precise let's get out let's get out the little uh, weed scale and make sure that our creamer and our sugar weighs just point zero 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 one gram and one in particular time we were getting hammered with people like that and uh our sales were each like $2000 in the in the restaurant that only holds about 30 people that's pretty damn good sales and we got into a huge fight in the back of the hallway where the guests couldn't hear us, and uh, and he's and we're yelling back at each other, right, using profanity. And I yelled at him, I, I run circles around you, I run circles around you. You're you're old, you're old. And I mean, and I'm sure it was it was way worse because there was a lot of f bombs and s bombs. But I just remember yelling, I I run circles around you, and he's yelling back, I run circles around you. And about we he storms back into the restaurant, I storm back into the restaurant. Uh, it dies off about an hour or two later and he walks up to me and he's like, you know, I'm not mad at you, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not mad at you either, man. I was like, that was pretty funny. I run circles around you, huh? He's like, yeah, apparently that's what you think. And it became our running joke for the next couple of years. Anytime, uh, anytime one of us wanted to step off the floor, it was, oh, I got to go run to the restroom. What's that matter? I'm running circles around you anyways. And it just became this hilarious joke. And you know, I know a lot of people who get in arguments with their coworkers and their family members, and you know, heat of the moment, you know, the emotional mind takes over the limbic system, the, the the whole you know, uh, hypoth- hypothalamus, everything just gets all blah, and they want to hold a grudge about stuff that was said in the heat of the moment, and it's like you'll go weeks. One, this one cook at my restaurant, we got into an argument one time, we didn't talk for like four months. We didn't talk until I went away on vacation for like two weeks. And when I came back, he finally talked to me. And I'm assuming it's only because he forgotten he was mad at me. I was like, what, what, what is the purpose of holding a grudge that long? It's like in the heat of a moment. Release it. Let it go. It's not a disrespectful thing to get into an argument with somebody. We didn't say anything that we couldn't take back. I mean, you know, a bunch of F-bombs. But you know, we both curse like sailors anyways. Um, so just don't hold grudges. Let things go. Right. Imagine if we'd have held a grudge, right? Imagine if uh, I would have found out that he died and we had gotten into an argument that we couldn't heal from. That would have been such a pissy way to have to say goodbye to that man, who meant so much. Smile till it hurts. That guy did. He did. He did know how to smile. It, it, the, the smile on his face, ear to ear. He was the only person other than. Paul, Paul, and, and and Ron were the two people working breakfast with me the most when I first got sober on January thirteenth, and uh, that was my first day sober. And it was I also had to go into work, and I'll never forget when I walked into work. I was like, "That's it, man. I, I've, I've decided that I will never, I will never drink alcohol or do drugs again. I can't do this to myself, and I'm afraid if I don't stop today, that I won't even be alive for the Super Bowl in two weeks." 'Cause it was a it was a Friday and the Super Bowl was gonna be I think it was like February fourth. So technically I think it may have even been like three weeks away. And I just remember the hug he gave me and he's like, You you got this, dude. He's like, if there's anyone who I know, when they make a decision that they can go with it, it's you. And I you know, I, I always kept him filled in. You know, I kept alcohol in my room for the first three weeks that I was sober just to make sure I was serious. And when, when people hit me up and asked me, you know, was it tough for you the, the first few weeks? You know, um, how did you manage to go, you know, to quit the first time and not relapse? Because it wasn't the first time. I had tried. There, there's years where I all I wanted to, I'd, I'd stop for a month, get back on it. There was a time where I'd stop for six months because I needed to get good grades that semester, or get kicked out of school. So I'd stop. And as soon as I got good grades, man, I was right back on the bottle. I moved to Los Angeles and quit smoking and and drinking, barely ever drank, and definitely quit smoking cigarettes for my first 18 months here. And standing on the second city in Hollywood's roof during a party one time, somebody saw me smoking. They're like, wow, dude, I didn't know you smoked. I'm like, yeah, I smoked for uh, 18 years. They're like, why'd you start up again? And my response was, I think I want to start binge drinking again. And I did. And it was messy, and it wasn't pretty, and it damn near killed me. Um, and through all of that, you know, all the, I remember thinking about all that stuff those first few weeks and he, him and Paul were the only ones I told because I didn't want anyone's expectations. I didn't want anyone pat me on the back. I didn't want anyone knowing. I didn't want anyone asking me how I was doing every day. I didn't want a bunch of phone calls. I didn't even tell Facebook land, which is how most of my really close friends found out until my, my birthday that year in 2017, which would have been me turning 41. Because I just, you know, I it's like, I didn't want anyone to, it wasn't the stigma I was worried about as much as I was just didn't want people to act differently around me. Like, don't, don't be weird. Don't not invite me to things just because you don't want, you think I'll be uncomfortable around you drinking. You might be uncomfortable with the way you drink around me, but <laughs> I won't give a damn. You're the one waking up with a blasted ass hangover. <laughs> I'm the one waking up feeling good and refreshed. He's the only one who knew. Him and Paul. And they sat next to me during that Super Bowl. It was the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl. Paul on my left and Ron on my right. And uh, Paul decided to start rooting for the Patriots just to piss me off. And uh, everybody else at this party was rooting. It was at the Magic Castle. And uh, my buddy Dale works there. And he's he's a, cool, he's a cool stand-up dude. And he got us all tickets. And uh, Dale and I, we used to throw it down too. And... Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember telling Dale right before. I didn't want to no know right out the gate, but I remember telling Dale when I was like a couple of days before the Super Bowl. I was like, "Yeah, I quit drinking a couple of weeks ago," and uh, I don't want anyone to know. And I was like, "Let's just let's just be normal about this." So when I went to that Super Bowl, it was just he and Paul and Ron. And then the more I tell this story, I'm like, "Is that really all, all the people I knew?" I was like, "Yeah, I didn't want anyone at work to know." and Paul and Ron had just watched me damn near kill myself. And I was calling and sick all the time. And, and, and Dale knew, Dale knew it was going wrong. So yeah, it was those three. Those were the three. And they were there for me on that day. And the Falcons blew a 28 point lead, 23, whatever. It was too many points. And, uh, I'm going to never forget just never leaving there. And we, uh, Me and Ron and Paul lived in the same general direction, and so we walked Ron to where he was getting his Uber, and then Paul and I walked home, and he's just like, man, how do you feel about today? And I was like, I can't believe I was able to make it through a Super Bowl without drinking any alcohol. I was like, that's it. I mean, if I can do that, I can do it anywhere. And uh, over the summer, that, that year in June, I think it was, I went and saw the Grateful Dead at Wrigley Field with all my old party bros from Ball State. Still best friends with all those guys, and that was that was the the next tough opportunity. And I remember Ron being real real worried about it, and he's like, you know, I was like, dude, I got this." He's like, "I made it through the Super Bowl, bro. I got this," and I did, and it was it was easy. And uh, I remember walking away from that, being like, "If I can do that, if I can do a Super Bowl and a Grateful Dead run, psh, psh, please." Went and did a fish run a, a year or so later after that. And that was, uh, yep. So I'm like, all right, we got this. We got this. And I tell you all this, and this might be one of those episodes where it's like, uh, well, Jesse just sort of rambled on. But I think I'm just trying to compartmentalize Ron. And you know, I was talking to my therapist today. And she's like, yeah, maybe he gets this episode. Because I mentioned, I was like, maybe I should talk about him. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should, maybe that should be the only thing I talk about is Ron. 30 years sober. He's got some stories of getting tossed out of bars, having his teeth smashed in. Um, You know, that guy, he he lost cell phones sober. So I have no doubt that guy was probably losing cell phones intoxicated. But no, wait. If he had 30 years in, that would have been early 90s. He didn't even so No, he would never have lost a cell phone because they weren't invented yet. (laughs) So I'm going to miss him. I don't think it's going to impact me right away, but I think, you know, I'd always told him I was going to come back. I went to Mexico City and visited him when he first retired there. I almost died on a mountain. Uh, not with him, I decided to go on a mountain that had no trail markers without anyone knowing I was going up it. And uh, I I think I told Instagram, actually. Thank you. I did. I told Instagram in like a, in like a post, like I am going up a mountain. So if you guys don't see me post anything about this mountain, I'm going up in like eight hours and you might want to call someone and tell them I'm dead on the mountain. (laughs) And I did. I got so lost and I just started going down and there was a tsunami opened up and there was hail and it was so cold and then it didn't bring enough food or enough warm clothes and no one knew where I was. And I remember calling him that night. I was like, I think I almost died on, at the Diaz- Desiertos de los Leones State Park in Mexico City. He's like, bro, he's like, w- he's like I have this awesome plan about us going on a bu- on a bus tour tomorrow. And going to going to some great cathedrals. And you almost died on a damn mountain. <laughs> I don't know. If I remember correctly, he made jokes about how the tickets were non-refundable the whole day. Oh, man. Oh. He was a special guy. He has is, he is, he is left behind a trail of tears. Because he did. Nothing but shine rays and rays and rays of sunshine down upon us. The earth is definitely a darker place. And the heavens substantially brighter. Because now they have our sunshine. Yeah. He wanted me to be sober more than I ever wanted to be sober. Until I got sober. And then he became my greatest cheerleader, as he saw me just creating the best life I possibly could for myself. I'll never forget him. I've got a one-year and a three-year chip hanging from. I'm saying three-year because I'm like, yeah, uh, it's like, yeah. I think he was at, I think he was living in Mexico City for my second year. But he always, for those two, one and three, he got me the shiniest, fanciest year chips from it for the AA. Then he must have bought them online or something because they're just so fancy and they're so heavy. And I hang them from my rearview mirror. He saw something in me before I ever saw it in myself. And while there are many factors that led me to this current journey that I'm on, I don't know if I've quite come to grips with the reality of how much of an influence he had on me for what sobriety and recovery could look like if you really just chose to create your best life and do what you want for yourself. Yeah. I'm going to miss your sunshine. There you got it. Finally called your sunshine. And for the record... The sun sits relatively still in the center of our solar system and the earth does circles around the sun. And since I am currently on the earth and he calls himself sunshine, therefore the earth has it does circles around the sun and because I am on the earth, I am currently running circles around sunshine. Just for the record, I won that one, dude. <laughs> For all of you out there who have lost someone, whether it's a beautiful post or your own podcast episode or your own IGTV or just a letter that you wrote in anonymity and you know, burned it ceremoniously over a garbage can so you wouldn't set forest on fire, uh, whatever it is that you do to honor those that have meant something to you, bless you. Bless you. you know, moms, Death Day anniversary is coming up, and I'll talk more about that the week of that, but i I travel the world spreading my mother's ashes and While I don't have any of Ron's ashes to spread when I spread hers, I'll make sure that I say some words for him too, and even if it's just picking up a handful of dirt and saying ash to ashes, dust to dust, or something, I'll remember you, Ron. Without your support, I don't know if I would even be sitting on this microphone right now. The world is a sadder place without you. I hope you're all doing okay out there. Super Bowl is coming. For any of you who think that it might be difficult to achieve sobriety through the Super Bowl, do what you have to do to make sure that you wake up Monday morning happy with your choices and not resetting back to day one. I know one particular listener hit me up and and asked me some thoughts on that. Look, uh, it is beyond, beyond possible to have the most amazing life ever sober. In fact, when you can finally release the cloud of addiction and alcohol and drugs, you will be blown away by the amazingness that is life that is all around you. You need to look no further than Ron Sunshine Davis to know that your best life is just on the other side of putting down the bottle and deciding that your life is more important than your addiction. I hope you guys take care of yourself. Inclusivity over exclusivity, power positive energy, release and flow. In honor of Ron Sunshine Davis. Love you, brother. Miss you already.